Well, that's why I asked. That's how you learn, by asking, you dumbass. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy weekend to you. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mans and Mitchell in your ears for the hour if our luck holds up. And of course, if we stay on the air, which is largely the responsibility with a very successful track record, I might add, on the part of bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you today? Doing very well. See that dramatic pause there? That was incredible. You were nervous. Thrusting the fist. That's you were right. nervous, though. You are like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? What's going on? What's I, was, going on? I was a little concerned. <laughs> okay, Benny. Yes. Release the Kraken. No, right? I've been, <laughs> you know, I need to find a, a, their signal. I haven't done that yet. I need to make a mental note of that. You know, their They're sound the effect. Well, I, from my understanding, the Kraken have sold out their uh, first seats, their, their seats for their inaugural year mm-hmm. in Seattle. So, I mean, if anybody even wanted to go to that hockey game, they wouldn't be able to get a seat. No, you got to find and, someone else who's willing to give up tickets. Right. And for what kind of money? I, yeah. just, it's, I don't know the official stats or the markup, but I'm sure it's heavily marked up. I'm well, on the street. And, I'm sure there's quite a handling and, fee. And yeah. you know, Gary and yeah. I are hockey fans. We became hockey fans after we moved to Florida, which was very weird. We were yeah. following the Blackhawks <laughs> and their three Stanley Cups. So then we started going to the Lightning game and we brought the Lightning good luck because they won the Stanley Cup two years in a row. You mean Rainy. these Lightnings? Yep, 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 yep. Keep it going. Now, so, here so, we are. Here we are. As we approach the Thanksgiving holiday, our good friend, he's, he's extended family. He's my brother from another mother, Kenny Ulrich. Kenny Electric got talking with us on the phone about a week or 10 days ago and said, geez, I don't know when. Or, do, I've I never mean, do been the, to a hockey game before. Do the do the Kraken even play the Lightning? And I said, let me look let at me this. Let me look at this schedule. Oh, my God. Oh, the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Oh. They're going to be here. So he... While we were on line with him and on the phone, he booked his tickets, bought his Kraken swag, and he's going to come down here for Thanksgiving, the whole weekend, Thanksgiving dinner, and the next day, we are driving to Amelie Arena in Tampa to see your Seattle Kraken! (laughs) I'll give him an applause for that, too. Well done. We went through a nice app called Game Time. We got three seats at the 100 level, excellent seats. And for the three tickets plus the markup, because you go through Ticketmaster, yada, yada. And with all of that, the three of us got these excellent seats together for just over $600 total out the door. That's practically spitting or blood distance. You know, if you get really close, you you might be able to catch a tooth. We are going to catch the Kraken yeah. in their <laughs> inaugural year, Benny. Nice. That's all I'm going to say. Their I'm first appearance proud. ever in Tampa. In Tampa. That's, That's so going to cool. be sunny. So there, some history shall be made that night. And um, I don't know if we'll make Seattle TV, but maybe at least the Tampa Jumbotron there in Amelie <laughs> Arena, something. That's right. <laughs> and the we kiss look, cam, maybe. The kiss cam. Uh, we'll kiss Kenny. There we go. <laughs> I want to see that. You guys better yeah. make that one. 
So we're looking forward to that very much. It's going to be an historic evening on both coasts, actually, for hockey fans, certainly. And we just look forward to that a lot. We feel privileged to go and see a Kraken game during their inaugural season. Yep. Yep. Very excited. And today we're also excited. Very excited. Because we have a returning guest. And this lady, Deidre Combs. She has something very unique with regard to our show. And that would be? And that would be that she has been with us since we started in radio. 15 years ago, she was on in the second month on Give and Take with Gary Mance when we were on Tuesdays at noon. She was a guest in April of 2007, one month after we started radio, you booked her. So she's been with us a long, long time. And the reason why I booked Deidre Combs so early on was because I wanted someone who could speak authoritatively on the subject of conflict resolution. Yeah. I mean, yeah. going back yeah. there, we had, you know, there were plenty of issues. Are there not always? Sometimes the, the There's uh, always fire issues. is hotter than at other times yep. there, but I wanted somebody because that was originally, I'd like to call the show give and take with Gary Mance before I partnered formally with Suzanne Mitchell. And back in the day, the idea was that if we're going to talk about negotiating, if we're going to talk about conflict and conflict resolution, why don't we talk to the people who know something about it? <laughs> right. And that's how I discovered Deidre Combs. And that was also in connection with still my favorite book of hers. I just find it dynamic and so wide ranging in its eclecticism. And that would be The Way of Conflict. I think it's a Jim Dandy, a gem of a book. I encourage people to go out and get it. Dr. Deidre Combs is an international organizational development consultant, executive coach, instructor, and experienced mediator who coaches individuals and teams to overcome difficult circumstances. She is also the author of three books on cross-cultural approaches in resolving conflict and overcoming challenges. Number one, the way of conflict. Number two, worst enemy, best teacher. And three, thriving through tough times. If there's a fourth, I'm not aware of it. We will ask her. We will also be sure to give out her website before the end of the hour. Welcome to Manson Mitchell once again. Deidre Combs, very happy to have you here today. What a pleasure to be with you. It's just, it makes me so happy. And I love that I've been with you along this journey. That's just such a treat. We're 15 years on air and you were there from the beginning. In fact, in the beginning, I wasn't even on air at all. I used to just sit and and help Gary produce the show in the background when he was give and take with Gary Mance. So I sat in studio and listened to you. And then it was years later that we ended up working together in this way. But we love your topics, conflict resolution and cross-cultural approaches to all of these challenges and the things that you are interested in, we are interested in, and the world is interested in in these kinds of things. You know, how do we get along better? How do we progress? How do we get things done in life without always being at odds? And how did you get interested in that? Oh, well, (laughs) you know, I was in a meeting. I worked um, right out of college. I worked for IBM and I was in a very contentious meeting 
um, not knowing what to do next. Uh, I had clients around me. I was a program manager, so I was working with clients. And of course, um, now that you know me well, I had fallen in love with all of these clients. They were just wonderful. And um, IBM was needing to discontinue the product that I was working on. And so there was a lot of conflict in the room. And I was supposed to be facilitating this meeting and had really no idea what I was doing because people were walking out and they were upset. And um, I think what was worse for me was the clients who had bet, bet their career on this product and IBM couldn't continue it. Uh, and so I, for the lack of anything better, started asking questions of, uh, that I knew the clients wanted to ask, but were too upset to ask. Um, 101 conflict resolution tip, ask open-ended questions. And then two, again, not really knowing what I was doing, I started reframing what IBM was saying to, into um, the client's language. Um, and helping them to understand what was being said and, and doing that back and forth, reframing just because I had luckily been the bridge. Uh, and the meeting went so well. Everyone kept telling me how wonderful I was. I thought, I want to learn what I just did. I have really no idea what just happened. And as a result, um, here I am, you know, 20 years later and, uh, 20 plus years later, uh, continuing in this passion around, it's extraordinary. If we see conflict as an opportunity and we have the skills to um, move the conversation forward and bring people in and keep them out of fear, um, amazing things can happen. Uh, and so that is what fed my passion initially it was all about ego. I was like, wow, I was good at this instead of terrible at it. Uh, and it has just become something that I absolutely adore. You're, you're working your passion. I love that. I love that. And it came out of the crisis door right through the crisis store. <laughs> then, yeah. Great. Then I should fit right in. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Most of the major positive <laughs> changes in my life have yeah. occurred as I went through the crisis door. And man, that's painful there. But if you get a good result, then you take the lesson, hopefully enjoy the benefits of that experience and figure out if you can do it less painfully next time, whatever it happens to be when you are trafficking in human communications and interpersonal conflict. You know, Deidre, that it gives me an opportunity, and thank goodness we have the video on here. Our listeners can't see you, but let me say that over Deidre's right shoulder in a well-appointed room where she sits on Zoom with us, there I can see a lovely painting of what appears to be a crow. And actually, I am, yeah. I am mentioning, is that actually, is it a crow? Is it a raven? It's either a crow or a raven. Um, when I look at both, you know, we have both out here in Montana. This was painted by a... Um, uh, the, the last name is Gar. It's a, a couple that, that paint in Livingston. Um, um, I love that it's a raven uh, because uh, the story of the raven is that in some uh, traditions, Native American traditions, the belief is, is that you give your fears to the raven and, they and to put on, on that raven's back and take up to the sun to be burned away. So again, that theme of if we can find a way to quell our fear, work with our fear, we are so much better when we're dealing with conflict. 
I mentioned that, and thank you for that, Deidre. The reason why I mentioned it is because Suzanne and I have noticed something recently, and we're talking about weeks, not months, just over the past several weeks. We have found that crows, which we are not accustomed to seeing in great, great numbers, numbers here right. in Sarasota, unlike Seattle, Seattle and crows, everybody knows what that's like. But when we are here in Sarasota, I mean, you would have wild parakeets and we still see them. But crows, and I don't mean crows, I mean crows and crows hundreds, and crows. Hundreds there, of crows. If, if a, a group yeah. of crows is a murder, which is interesting, a murder of crows, there, there's mass murder going on in our neighborhood because these crows are everywhere. They will take over your swimming pool, which we discourage actively. They also defend their nests fiercely and they do it in a very organized manner as anyone in the seattle area can tell you if they've ever seen an eagle an eagle which i have seen with my own eyes looking from my balcony in bothell seen an eagle run off by three crows two of which were in attack mode the third on the perimeter and when one crow would get tired fighting this magnificent eagle right keeping it away from their nest there, a crow would get tired, the third one would come in and the other one would be on the perimeter and then it would cycle again until the eagle, thus the threat, was gone. And I thought, my God, if they can organize their behavior so intelligently and crows and ravens are highly intelligent creatures, shouldn't we be, as a species, we supposedly reign supreme, we're the stewards of the earth, how's that going? There with all of that, it seems like we ought to be able to come together for the sake of shared values and common survival. We humans, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Um, and what you're seeing is the beautiful response to conflict, right? Coordinated response and interconnection. Um, and we do, we have that opportunity. And we're, and we're seeing it in many ways that, that uh, the four of us are here on Zoom, and that that has just become a common way of, of communicating is quite amazing, right? An example of how we took the conflict of the pandemic and have found creative solutions to continue to work with each other and learn from each other. And, um, uh, and again, what you're bringing up is how do we work effectively when we are in fight flight to come into a place where we're using, as you're saying, our, our neocortex, which is our, you know, on the top part of our brain, which can think in past, present, and future, um, get ourselves out of our reptilian brain and the back of our skulls, which only thinks of us and only thinks of the present and has very limited um, problem-solving capabilities. So, um, you know, when we're in our neocortex and our prefrontal lobes, uh, conflict becomes this beautiful challenge that brings out our best. And I, I hear you calling us to that. And uh, that's what I'm always hoping to call us to. Meanwhile, we get scared and you see mm. us at our worst. Um, I think <laughs> the pandemic and all of the political issues over the last couple of years and, you know, it's like we're going to go and, 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 and climate change have got people exhausted and in their... Yeah in their reptilian brains. Um, yeah, and so, so how do we, um, how do we all take care of ourselves and call ourselves into a more centered place and as well use the con these conflict resolution skills that have been with us, with us for thousands of years 
to bring others back into the game so that we're playing well. So that's, I love it. I love the, the vision of the crows saying, okay, nope, you're not going after my nest. Um, and here's how we're going to do it well. Deidre, do you ever work with politicians? Um, <laughs> I, I have. I've had politicians as executive coaching clients. Um, I've done some fascinating, really fascinating uh, um, facilitated dialogues with politicians. Um, and it is, yeah, <laughs> that can be fascinating, right? Uh, uh, how to move people beyond the rhetoric they think people want to hear into an open-minded uh, I'm, I'm... assessment of the situation. Right. And I'm thinking of that particularly today, because supposedly there's going to be some votes on the bills in Congress. And we've been promised that for quite a while. And you can see playing out on TV, the emotions, the the standing that everybody has, the positioning that's going on. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm, you know, wondering how, how does this get resolved? Because when we're talking about, uh, you know, when you're talking about organizations and executives and, and people uh, in small groups and large groups, well, this is a massively large group. This is 330 billion, you know, people, 330 million people we're talking about. And a small group of, of that, a very small group, you know, compared to the 330 million who are are trying to resolve getting our, our country moving. Yeah. And, and so I would think, I mean, the fact that they're just like under the microscope with every nuance, every word, every, everything. Um, I, I'm just uh, watching it play out and wondering from your perspective, do you think that everything looks as though it's going along the way things do go along in conflict resolution? Does it look like that to you? Like everything will be okay? <laughs> is it, is it, it is are we like in step seven or something of what's I going know, on? It is messy business, isn't it? It um, is. <laughs> you know, I, I am fascinated with the study of systems. And I talk yeah. a lot about that, especially in the way of conflict. Because what you are describing is as you look into the system, it can look like utter chaos. Um, mm -hmm. And how can we draw ourselves up enough to look to see um, as, uh, as, the, as the system theorists call that implicate order that might be occurring, you know, that there's order in the chaos and of course chaos in the order. Uh, <laughs> it's scary when we look at it in the, you know, which again, isn't good for us, right? When we go into fear, we just don't make very good decisions. Um, so uh, I'm know. assuming your perspective would be different from mine because you've been doing this for so long that when you look at it, I'm, I'm just wondering if, you know, what I see is, is all of this chaos and, and I'm saying, will this chaos resolve in some way? Yeah. But I'm wondering, when you sit in your chair, do you say to yourself, 
I see the chaos and I know that this is a process that has to be gone through to get to the end result. And it looks like it's okay. I mean, what does it look like from where you sit? Well, (laughs) from where (laughs) I see, yeah, really uh, can't tell you that I don't go to fear uh, (laughs) because the stakes feel really high. And Um, yet um, it's, there's this, that for me, it is how can we continue to keep the conversation going? Because we're part of the system. Um, I'm very fascinated with the work of Braver Angels right now, um, an organization that's bringing people in across the political divide at community levels to have conversation. I'm fascinated with um, a group of women who met and may still be meeting. I haven't checked on them lately, um, where they would meet monthly to talk about um, uh, reproductive rights and and the the question of abortion. And um, so how can we at a grassroots level continue to have the conversations then and that Um, and to get past the fear, because one of the gains of politics that I'm always hoping people can see through is if I get you scared, I usually will get you to be quiet and to not question. Um, We have two brains. Uh, There's great work by uh, um, scientists, behavioral scientists, um, Daniel Kahneman wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. My children laugh because I'm always like, oh, she's going to talk about that book again. Um, But it's fabulous because what it says is we have two brains, the fast thinking brain that you come to a stop sign and you know to stop, you look both ways, you you know, you move forward. Um, That brain processes things quickly, doesn't really do any complex problem solving. It's what we use most of the time. It's what sometimes you'll see politicians using. And it's a worry because it's a lazy approach. Um, Meanwhile, we have all these complex issues that call us to use our slow thinking brain. It's almost as though you, it's like the elephant within us is one of the ways it's been described. Um, And so it's slow and it's hard and it takes a lot of of, um, of energy, uh, you know, they say when you're using your slow thinking brain, you might, you know, need to eat a cookie to kind of get the, get the, um, you know, get the, the energy up, yeah. keep you yeah. going, right? Mm-hmm. But the slow thinking brain is what we need to be using in this time. Um, the one where, you know, if I asked you to divide, you know, 3,562 by 460, you'd go, oh, okay, I need to pull out a piece of paper or what did she say? That's the brain that we're really being called to use right now. Um, And so how can we keep calling, calling our young people, calling our politicians, calling one another to be using that slow thinking, complex thinking brain to solve these, these bigger problems? Meanwhile, we are fascinated with our phones and the soundbite and the, you know, quick fix. Um, and, and that feeds that fast thinking brain. We need them both. But um, so I'm always looking for where can I call us to be thinking more complex in a more complex manner? Um, because that's where the magic comes. That's where we come up with these incredible breakthrough solutions. 
And one of the ways that we can engage our brain is through dialogue, just in conversation. It's a way that gets that elephant moving um, is to say, you know, Suzanne, what, uh, what are you seeing that I might not be seeing? And it's, it's a simple form of conversation. But what it says is I enter into the conversation with the willingness to learn, not to convince. And that engages that slow thinking brain. Um, and it's a more fun way because we deepen in our relationships and we learn things we would have never learned. You are seeing things in Florida that I am not seeing in Bozeman, Montana. Um, and so how can I find out from you what's happening there um, and continue to gather and gather? So it's a way to keep us in that learning mode. When, when we're in learning mode, we're in our neocortex. I'm, I'm tapping the top of my head again. Uh, and amazing things happen when I'm in my neocortex because creativity gets, uh, gets engaged. Another trick to get you into your neocortex very quickly and again, into that more complex thinking is gratitude. You cannot process gratitude in your reptilian brain. So thinking of five things you're thankful for will engage that, that place. Um, and so I'm always looking for politicians and leaders that recognize the power of getting everyone into that learning mode. So you're getting me ranting a little about this. I get excited. That's okay. We need to take a break. Okay. So we'll go to neutral corners here. Okay. <laughs> We're talking with Deidre Combs. So much to unpack. This is just wonderful whenever we get together and we shall do so more often. I can see that happening. Deidre Combs, our guest. We are Manson Mitchell, and we're talking about the art and to some extent, I think, the science and certainly the practice of conflict resolution. We will be back in just a couple of minutes. Thanks so much for tuning in right here at Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures Detail in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. 
On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Deidre Combs, an expert in conflict resolution, who has great things to say about coming to terms with people problems. The way of conflict can point us to the path of successful living. On Saturday, Adam Schack, a passion doctor, is featured in this encore presentation from earlier in the year. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10, right here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Dr. Deidre Combs. Uh, Dr. Combs, if people would like to get your books or connect with you, um, tell us once more what, what is your website and your books and how they can do that. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, my website is combsandcompany.com. So like combs in your hair andcompany.com. And you can order books from there, obviously on Amazon and all of the different booksellers. I'll put a plug in for our independent booksellers. Uh, um, you can order them through, through them as well. Um, I am, let's see, I am on Twitter. I don't do much there, but uh, it's Deidre Combs. And uh, yeah, please, please reach out. And um, I hope that um, the, this work will be of help to all of you. Yes, very much so. And we do support and love our independent booksellers. Just don't forget, Jeff Bezos needs to fire up that rocket again. It takes a lot of fuel. It takes a lot of time and energy. Please support. <laughs> Only you can prevent lack of rocket fuel in the life of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> so go to Amazon. I, uh, it, it's so wonderful how people come by things anymore in this internet age. It's just astonishing to me. And that's a, the subject of a whole other show about economics and marketing, I'm sure. I did want to ask you about uh, your book itself, The Way of Conflict. You know, it, it kind of started it off in a literary sense for you, Deidre. And I'm curious to know, as you were getting ready to write that book, to format it. You had your notes, you have all that knowledge, all that experience. You're a PhD, you understand world religions. What gave you the, and I'll use this word intentionally, the inspiration to write a book about conflict and to describe it throughout much of the book as an essential and healthy way of life, even when you get to that point, perhaps inevitably in many severe conflicts, you get to a point where you don't get to the solution before you reach despair, figuring this isn't going to work at all. I give up. But you don't really. You get back into the process. Oh, well, I think the inspiration has come from a question that I love to ask people at the beginning of every workshop. And I have asked this of thousands and thousands of people now over the last 20 years is, um, can you think of a time when your life got better without some conflict. And there are four different types of conflict. You've got the internal conflict saying, should I stay in this relationship or should I go? Should I stay in this job or should I go? Um, you have the conflicts that we usually think of between, you know, with someone else. We have conflicts with systems and structures, right? Working within a hospital system or a university system or in, trying to move something forward within your community. And then fourth, we have conflict with the world. Uh, you know, it's the Job yelling at the sky going, really? You've got to be kidding. Uh, and as a result, all, uh, all of these bring us, and I do, I love asking that question. 
and watching no one can can tell me that they've come to something better without some kind of disruption, some kind of challenge. Uh, so that's my constant uh, inspiration is to see that it's conflict is one of the best things, it, you know, it is, well, it is the best thing we've got going for us. And meanwhile, it's messy, risky, scary, awful, dangerous. We don't like it, um, but it is what calls us as a system to evolve and to move to a better place. So that was the inspiration. Writing the book was, it's, uh, it's funny because I never thought of myself, talk about a conflict, I never thought of myself as a writer. Um, I was a math and Spanish major in college. And one of the reasons was I wouldn't have to write many papers. Um, I love both those topics. Uh, I love the learning of them, but I was very intimidated. I had a lot of conflict around writing. But when I would start teaching, people would say to me, well, what, what can I read to learn more about this? And I would be, well, I could give them that stack of 25 books that I've read, and that's not going to really help them. Um, it was this wonderful call to creativity, to, to learn to write uh, well enough to bring all of these different disparate uh, 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 resources together into a book. And then the second book, same sort of thing. People said to me, well, I really like the way of conflicts. Great. But I want to talk to you about this really painful brother-in-law of mine. And <laughs> it's like, okay, um, how do we deal with difficult people? And that's where the book Worst Enemy, Best Teacher came from. And then I went honestly through a dark time of my life where I really felt like I was yelling at the sky going, really, this happened? And uh, so that fourth type of conflict, the conflict with, with the nature of life really called me into to writing that third book, um, Thriving Through Tough Times. And I will tell you, that is a book I keep going back to again and again and again over these last uh, two years. It's been, uh, it's been a saver, lifesaver for me. So. We picked up that book this morning, Thriving Through Tough Times to see if there would be anything uh, that we would want to talk about in there. And one of the ways that you talk about uh, going through tough times is to look at them as various seasons of your life. And, and I said, now, I wonder what's going on here in the fall season. And it was interesting because you were talking about in the fall, just kind of gathering your, your team, putting your people together in the fall. And, um, and so if, there, if there's something that you want to say about that, then I, I want to give you the opportunity. I also uh, mentioned on the break that the subtitle of the book is Eight Cross-Cultural Strategies to Navigate Life's Ordeals. And I said, I'm not sure that we've spent very much time talking about the other cultures that you've studied. So maybe we can put these two questions together. If you're putting together a, a team of people in the fall to, to help you in tough times, what have you learned from other cultures that you would like this culture to be aware of? Mm. How's that for a question, Deidre? <laughs> I was going to say, we only have 20 minutes. Shoot. <laughs> sneaky, Suzanne, sneaky. <laughs> oh, I would say, so 
I want to just recognize, and this is something I wanted to bring up on this call as we, we talk to others, is people are exhausted yeah. to a client. So I do a lot of executive coaching. I work with fellows um, through State Department programs from absolutely all over the world. And, uh, and to the person, people are tired. They're worn out. Um, constant challenge is exhausting and uh and we're seeing that um people are trying to hold their organizations together that you know and uh they're trying to figure out new plans when when the ground feels so shaky with with uh, beneath us yeah so i refer people to the winter time of because we're still not out of this you know, it's like we're in the underworld in many ways waiting for a new form to emerge um, and we're being called to evolve as a result. We're in that, that second phase of conflict where it's like, I don't know how this is all going to work out. Uh, and it's, and it is especially scary. And we are cult counseled around the world, culture after culture. So my strategy, just to do as an aside, my strategy to pro providing tips and techniques to folks is to look at what is the same that is said perennial wisdom across all of the major religious, uh, and I try to go to cultural traditions. What would a wise grandmother in Bangladesh, Boston, or Banares tell us to do in a particular time? And culture after culture, uh, through difficult times, tell us when we're in this chaotic, more dark place, is that we need to rest and recover wherever possible. I really mm. want to call to everyone to take yeah. extra special care of yourself. How can you make sure you're eating well? How can you make sure you're getting some sleep? How can you do one thing each day that brings you joy? It may mm. be standing under a tree, maybe watching a sunset. It may be listening to a child laugh. It may be going to a hula hooping group where you're giggling. That's that the second time this week critical. I've heard that. Like you should find at least one thing every day that really makes you smile, brings you joy, brings you bliss. And, and I think it's, as you say, we are inundated with all the chaos and the problems. And that's the second time I've heard right. one thing a day just yeah. to make you happy. Please, because when you do that, you start to fill that internal bucket. Um, the best description, and I use it again and again with my executive coaching clients and life coaching clients, is it's like we have this internal energy bucket and uh, change and especially grief kind of puncture holes in the bottom of our bucket. And we've lost so much. We've lost family members. We've lost friends. We've lost um, things that we used to love to do. We've lost, you know, being in groups and giggling. Um, and, and, and it, it's drained our energy bucket, which then when the energy bucket is empty, it sends us into that reptilian brain and fight flight. Cause we're mm. in survival mode and we need everyone to be in your best and most centered place. And that calls us to really practice self-care. Um, another tip is right now, whatever you might be able to say no to where you're going, going, going is to how you might say no, unless it's a strong yes. Um, so how can 
you start to do that rest and recovery so that you, as we move into spring, as we move into new possibilities around how we work um, as, as a community, how we deal with climate change, how we bring new forms of political governance into being, how we find greater representation for, for women and those who have been marginalized in our political system. As we start to work on those new ideas, we don't come to it scared and in, in, a, uh, in, in, a, in a fight flight way, but we come into it going, we could do this and we could do this and that we're, that we're ideating in really exciting and transformative ways. But I first need you to rest and recover. You know, you're just saying rest and recover makes me want to rest and recover. I mean, yeah. those are nice words. They are, and we have to give ourselves permission to get into that space. Uh, I've, I have wanted to do that at times when there were three, four, five issues. They're all of them simmering. And I thought, really, this is too much of an indulgence. I'm being lazy. I need to engage with these things. And then if I do that, I quickly become exhausted and wonder why. You know, you got to fill that bucket of yours to be sure. That leads me to ask you, this is a nice segue. The Hawaiians have a wonderful traditional practice. When people are aggrieved, when they cannot come to terms, many times they would go to a, a lawgiver, very religious authority, a kahuna there, and they would be guided and perhaps others were involved as well, supportively, and they would engage in the practice of ho'oponopono. And I keep thinking, Deidre, now you're going to be very familiar with that naturally, as many people are in our, you know, those who take the metaphysical view of life are aware of how powerful that can be. What I want to know is, do we have an equivalent or do you see it likely that we could devise one so that we have a mainland version that is cross-cultural, not just for the Caucasians and not just for any specific ethnicity, but for everyone to engage in a recognized, mutually acceptable practice of forgiveness so that we can let go and move on. Yeah. Well, that's what's so beautiful. You're bringing up that around the world, one of our most effective forms of resolving conflict and creating, uh, you know, creating progress is the practice of, and in, in, in that beautiful Hawaiian practice, is there is gratitude and forgiveness. And in that, we create detachment, which you will find in every tradition around the world, you know, every, you know, perennial wisdom tradition, Christianity, Judaism, um, it, the Islamic traditions, uh, it, and we go on, Taoism, Buddhism, there is this recognition that there is such power in, and the idea of detachment is to love from an objective place, is to back up, is to, in the Zen tradition, it's to hold tightly with an, an open hand. Uh, and so uh, it, we have it. it. It's not something that we're borrowing. There's no cultural appropriation here. Forgiveness and gratitude is at the core of all of the traditions from which we come. So this idea of what can I be thankful for? Um, I like to borrow from the Islamic tradition where when they close well with others, the first thing they do is extend gratitude. And then the next thing is to ask for forgiveness for anything that I might have done 
that was that that was hurtful or I might have left undone. And then in that closing well, there is this commitment of how we might, inshallah, God willing, see each other again. So it's what's, I love you bringing it up because it is in all of our traditions. And, uh, and what's so wonderful is, the, is that this holding tightly with an open hand creates so much creativity. Um, and it's not to say that we are um, saying that what someone has done is not hurtful or destructive or anything, but yet that we're not, that we're holding tightly with an open hand and looking for new solutions. That is where we're most creative. So, yay, I'm have with you, you. Have you happened to catch a, a new comedy called Ghosts on TV on no, Thursday night? No, am I going to love it? <laughs> well, I tell you, Gary and I, we, we were looking at the trailers for it and we thought we would catch it because it's about a couple that buys an old Victorian home and the wife has an accident and then she can see dead people. So, so there are a, a bunch of ghosts living in this house and she sees all of them. And last night's episode was, was funny because um, two of the ghosts have taken to watching TV. <laughs> One is a Viking named Thor, and then the other was his uh, Native American friend. And uh, the Viking was watching a bunch of episodes without his friend, and it, it upset the Native American. What do you mean? You were watching those episodes without me? <laughs> and, and, and he, you know, you owe me an apology. And, you know, Thor says, Vikings don't apologize. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> and so the, the Indian friend leaves. Now, Thor's watching two friends fighting in the television show, and one apologizes to the other, and he feels really bad because his Native American friend isn't sitting next to him on the couch. So he goes and he finds him, and he says, uh, you know, Thor feel really bad that I was watching those shows without you, and I apologize. And the Native American says, oh, okay, we're good. And and the and the uh, and Thor goes, that's it, that's all. <laughs> right. So then he turns to another one of the ghosts and he goes, "Your hat is ugly. I apologize." <laughs> <laughs> it's good practice. It's like, you can you can be as mean yeah. as you want, but just follow it with an apology. Right, 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 right. As and long as you mean it. The insincere apology, yes. you know, the, I'm, I'm apologizing to the like me is really not a sincere apology. <laughs> <laughs> Your head is ugly. I apologize. I well, and I just, you bring up, I love you bring up one of the fun things over this, la these last almost two years is that we've all been sharing our favorite shows as we've been stuck at home. Yes. And, yes. Um, yes. Someone who models this practice of gratitude and apology is our, our friend Ted Lasso, who's now our friend, right? Um, so I recommend that show. I don't know if you've seen it. But I have not. Oh, what, what? Ted Lasso. So we'll get yes. we'll do a little okay. plug for that show. That's um, okay. It's on, I think, on Apple Plus, but it he models through this show, um, how to both forgive and use gratitude. And um, I, I think it's one of the reasons that the show has become so incredibly popular. It is delicious when those are used in combination, aren't they? Um, yes, they are. Uh, I am 
ignorant of Ted Lasso, except for the name, it's been bandied about. You see, we're a step behind. We don't always subscribe <laughs> to these networks where you like one show and you have to buy the whole kit. Right. And it took me six months there. to get him on Zoom. So, I mean, we're right there. <laughs> well, it yes, happens. Exactly. I mean, well, it happens. What's, we get what's it. wrong with Skype? <laughs> Who? <Yeah. So> <laughs> what? The, Who? The march of technology, you know. So Suzanne, when, when we try, when we look for people who model overcoming their own awkwardness and their interpersonal struggles, maybe you're familiar with the phrase, oh my God, David, <laughs> or ooh, David. Love that show too. We'll watch yes. it again. <laughs> and, and didn't they find a way to evolve their under the most trying circumstances for yes. people of their former social standing there to find love, to find a self-affirming kind of communication and an appreciation of each other as people rather than having their life so crowded with the, the best that money can buy. They had to figure out who are they to each other? Who are they within themselves? These folks currently, well, living for a time until they moved away from Schitt's Creek. And they are getting to know people that they would have wiped their shoes on not long before. And now they're having to cope with them and to deal with them. It was a growth experience through just a ton of awkwardness that had Suzanne and I, as we binge watched it, and now we watch <laughs> the reruns continuously on a loop, but it makes you cringe until you realize how many cringeworthy moments you have going in your own life. It's so great. No, I love it. It was just, um, you, I wanted to, I had two quotes that I wanted to provide, and I love one of them is prosperity is a great teacher, adversity a greater by William. Ah. Right? Oh, so that's good. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And um, and then I was gonna say the other about this, you know, people who are working, you know, who recognize this beauty of interconnection and and that moving outward are so much happier. It's this incredible irony that we think that okay, those those 20 pairs of Prada shoes are going to make me happy. Um, and, and I love that, that series, how it really models when we recognize that we belong to each other, how, how everything changes. Let me see if I can find that quote. Well, you and you know, Deidre, with COVID, everybody did have, uh, well, not everybody, but many, many, many millions of people were cocooning. And we were two of those who were not going out, I've, I've told the story several times that we filled our gas tank in March of 2020. And I didn't go back to the gas station until July. Wow. We, we yeah. were home. We were home. We were only grocery shopping once every three to four weeks. And, and, and I was terrified of, of COVID. I was at my hairdressers this last week, and now it's been a couple of years, right? And she said, I don't feel social anymore. She said, I've spent so much time alone, you know, with my husband, it's hard to get out and be with people and go to restaurants and do the things we used to do so naturally before. Yeah. It, it's yeah. actually going to take us relearning how to connect with people after, you know, we've been wearing masks and keeping our six foot distance and and, um, you know, wanting to survive and protect ourselves. Yeah. Now, how do we make another shift if it's safe to do that now? Yeah. I mean, th this is a whole psyche thing that's going on. Yeah. And, and, the, and the, 
the sadness and depression we've seen as a result. Um, I'll give you this to close. I recognize Please. we're getting close to time. Um, and it just feels like the theme of what we've been talking about today. And this is from Martin Luther King Jr., of course, one of his famous quotes, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. So there, mm. you know, that incredible. I like uh, that. And how much joy mm. comes out of holding that reality. It is one of the secrets yeah. of happiness. And yeah, moving I like that. Conflict. Thank in the you. last minute we minute and a half we've got here Deidre so where are you going next in terms of putting together a book of any conferences you travel the world it's extraordinary there what big things are on your calendar or on your radar presently oh you're so fun um so I am I'm spending a lot of time working with incredible um, rising leaders uh, through the State Department. They bring in rising leaders for leadership programs for a month to four months. Um, we're always looking for host organizations where you get some of these stars to work with you um, for the time. So I'm going to, if anyone's interested in looking up the Community Engagement Exchange or Community Solutions Program or Professional Fellows Program. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I recommend all of those. So I want to put a plug out there uh, so that you can have, this, have that experience. Um, I'm continuing to teach online and will. So check out my website. I will be um, putting up uh, different online classes as well as we move through these interesting times. But, yes. And um, website again, is always Combs available for, for coaching as well. So. Right. And the website again is Combs and Company and it's A-N-D, not the little mm -hmm. ampersand. So it's C-O-M-B-S-A-N-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y, combsandcompany.com. So very good. Thank you so much for giving us your, your time today. Always a pleasure, Deidre. We definitely need to do this more often. There's, I watch the news every day and there's always material to work with. You know that. <laughs> it is ubiquitous. The great Not only that, it's like you see it everywhere. <laughs> Lots of opportunity for growth. <laughs> I would Beautiful. love it. It is always, I always get off these calls just so energized. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. We look forward to the next time. Stay tuned for the Christine Upchurch Show and later on American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Thanks so much for joining us today. We will have another show for you tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on AM 1150 or 1150kknw.com. Have a great weekend, everyone.